I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapters 35, 36 and 37 of Divergent. So where we left off, Triss realised that everyone in Dauntless getting shot up in the neck with some sort of serum will probably indicate that they're going to be used as a zombie army for the erudite. And then like a second later, that happened. She just predicted it. She guessed it. And then it happened that night. Very convenient writing. So everyone starts sleepwalking. She realizes that four is divergent as well. They go to abnegation land and they have a little bit of a scuffle. They get dragged into Janine's office and she tells them the whole plan. And then she also injects four with a different type of serum. And then he tries to choke Triss out. And then she gets taken away to a room to be executed at, I guess, a later date. Why they didn't just do it there and then, I'm not too sure. And Four gets dragged off to the control room. And I, I think last week I was like, the control room in abnegation, because I just assumed because they were in abnegation, they were going to a control room in abnegation, but that's not the case. I realize that they're going to the control room in the Dauntless area. I'm, I'm man enough to admit my mistakes. And that also brings me to an email I got from Meredith, who tells me that that the character whose name I've forgotten, <laughs> you know how I kept thinking, who is it? Shauna? Sheila? Shania? Well, it was Lauren. Meredith told me that the name I was searching for was Lauren. I was way off. How did I get that that wrong? Oh, well, it is what it is. Potato, potato. But things are heating up. So let's get into it. So we start chapter 35. She's waking up in a dark corner of a room. She doesn't know where she is. There's blood on her hands and the room is really small. And then she realizes that she's in a tank and a small video camera is attached to one of the walls around her. Well, then she looks down at an opening at her feet and there's a tube and connected to that tube is another tank in the rooms. I don't know. It's a room full of tanks. And she's like, I'm not in a simulation this time. So I guess Janine is that evil that she was like, she has a fear of getting drowned in a tank. Why don't we make that a reality? Let's not shoot her. Let's elaborately drown her in a tank so that it aligns with her fear landscape. Janine thinks there's poetic justice there or something. So she just wants to be cinematic. So she's thinking, what do I do? She says, the worst thing that can happen to me now is that I drown in this tank. (laughs) I think she was trying to calm herself down by saying that, but like, yeah, that is a pretty bad thing to happen. 
Like, oh, what's the worst that could happen? You could drown in the tank. And then she thinks like, oh, with the camera watching me, it will be really brave of me to refuse to give up, to keep fighting or something like that. But then she's like, but maybe, maybe it isn't fighting that's brave. Maybe it's facing death that you know that's coming that's brave. And it's like, what? Just try and get out of the tank, Tris. You don't have to align every decision you make to fit with the manifesto of either Dauntless or abnegation. Like you're divergent, you could embrace other options. So she's kicking the wall, trying to break down the wall. The tank starts filling up with water, and then she thinks, oh, the video camera, they're watching me. No, they're studying me as only the erudite would. (laughs) She just hates erudite so much. So the water is like up past her calves and her thighs and then her fingertips. And she's sort of like embracing it. She says, The water will wash my wounds clean. I breathe in, I breathe out. My mother submerged me in water when I was a baby to give me to God. It's been a long time since I thought about God. And I was like, what? God? We have God in this dystopia? Like, have we heard any mention of baptisms or God or religion at all in the past 35 chapters? I'm I'm struggling to think. I mean, I forget characters' names, but I'm struggling to think if we've actually had any mention of God before. I just assume since they've come up with this mumbo jumbo society already, they might just leave religion behind. I, I don't know. But apparently she's telling us that she was baptized as a kid, even though, they, even though they've never brought that up ever before. Not once has she told us anything about religion in this society. I just assumed it didn't exist. But I suppose if a working Ferris wheel can still exist, then yeah, a, co- a concept of religion should exist as well. I, I don't know what I'm thinking. And so now she's like, I'm not going to fight it. So instead of like, rising with the water as it goes up inside the tank. She pushes all the air from her lungs and sinks to the bottom. So she's just like, all right, time to die. So she's drowning. She's suffocating, she says. Pain is stabbing her lungs. And then she's looking through the water and she thinks she can see her mother's blurry face. And not for a second was I just thinking that her life was flashing before her eyes or anything, because then we hear a bang and the glass cracks and her mum is shooting her out of the tank. So the tank shatters, she falls out, and then her mum's like, Beatrice, we've got to run. So like, <laughs> I feel like that was anticlimactic. I don't know. I, I wasn't getting a lot of tension from this scene. And Beatrice says, she is dressed like my mother. She looks like my mother, but she is holding a gun. And the determined look in her eyes is unfamiliar to me. <laughs> okay. Well, we know your mother has a, a secret side to her. That was foregrounded to us with the dedication at the start of the book. And also when we met her on visiting day and she pretty much admitted that she was dauntless. So they're running down a hallway. And meanwhile, Beatrice's mum is just like pew, 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 shooting all of these dauntless guards. These zombified sleepwalking killing machines are no match for this mum from abnegation. She's killed at least four of them. And then she stops and she takes off her jacket to make a sling for Triss's arm because, you know, she was shot in the arm and she's wearing a sleeveless shirt underneath the jacket and Triss can see in the corner of her armpit there's a tattoo and she's like, mum, you were dauntless. Like, yeah, we know. She pretty much admitted to that long ago. And then I guess she's feeling comfortable that there's no security cameras around, no other guards listening in because she says, yep, I'm dauntless. Your father and Caleb and some others are hiding in the basement at the intersection of North and Fairfield. 
we have to go get to them. So she's just doing a Janine and spilling the beans and just saying, hey, anyone on CCTV, here's the location of the abnegation leaders. But Tris is staring at her thinking, I sat next to her at the kitchen table twice a day for 16 years and never once did I consider the possibility that she could have been anything but abnegation born. What? You've figured this out already. You clocked her back at visiting day. And now that that bit of exposition's done, they're running down the hallways again, trying to escape abnegation HQ. And she says, how did you find me? As they're running along. And she says, well, I was watching the trains since the attack started. I didn't know what I would do when I found you, but I just knew if I just watched the trains, you would pop up and then I would save you. (laughs) So she watched the trains and she's like, but I betrayed you. I left you. Like, as in she changed factions. And her mum's like, oh, for fuck's sake, like I changed factions too. It doesn't matter. And Tris says, I know this isn't the time for conversation but there is something I need to know. So she's like, mum, let's just stop in the middle of this road. She says they're in the alley that intersects with the road. And she says out in the open, let's just stop and have a chat, even though we're hunted by dauntless guards. And she says, mum, how do you know about divergence? What is it? And her mum says, I know about them because I am one. (gasps) Okay. Is everybody divergent? I... (sighs) I was led to believe that she was special, but everyone is divergent. (sighs) She tells us, I was only safe because my mother was a dauntless leader. On choosing day, she told me to leave my faction and find a safer one. I chose abnegation. Oof, big mistake, Triss's mum. I would have picked anywhere else because, man, you don't get haircuts. She says, but I wanted you to make the choice on your own. Why? Why couldn't you have given her some friendly advice if you knew she was divergent? Because I think she did suspect. Remember after Tris did that first test and they went back at dinner and her mum was like, so I heard there were some inconclusive test results. (laughs) And I think that was her mum being like, okay, come on, Tris, out with it. But could she have not have given her some advice being like, hey, no, you might be confused. Um, Just want you to know if you do go with Dauntless, there will be this grueling initiation process. And they only pick 10 people and you might not even get picked and you have to shoot a gun and bash each other up and they have no railings alongside the pit chasm. So, you know, maybe you might want to pick another faction or she could have said, hey, stay in abnegation. Um, I know you're divergent. Just, you know, you'll be safer in abnegation. But she's like, I wanted you to make your own choice. Why? Is it that bad to give advice? And Tris says, I don't understand why we're such a threat to the leaders. She is not reeling at all at the revelation that her mum is divergent. She was like, dauntless, I can't believe it. After she's like confirmed that she's dauntless again. But she says she's divergent and she's just like, okay, carry on. And her mum says, every faction conditions its members to think and act a certain way. And most people do it. For most people, it's not hard to learn, to find a pattern, blah, blah, blah. It's all the same bullshit. But our minds move in a dozen different directions. We can't be confined to the one way of thinking and that terrifies our leaders. It means we can't be controlled. It means that no matter what they will do, we will always cause trouble for them. I don't know about that, Triss's mum, because you've just spent 30 odd years in abnegation being boring. You did exactly what everyone wanted you to. Even though your mind apparently moves in a dozen different directions, unlike normal people, 
you just followed the party line as well. You were controlled effectively. Also, our minds move in a dozen different directions. Okay, I don't think so. Triss has been narrating this book for 35 chapters and she's had a pretty one-track mind the whole way through. I haven't been dazzled by her mind moving in different directions, let me tell you that. But Triss is like, wow, I guess this means I'm not abnegation, I'm not dauntless, I'm divergent. <laughs> yes, yes. Ah, oh, for fuck's sake. <sighs> Remember when she came first in the rankings and she's like, I did it, I'm dauntless well and truly, but now she's like, I'm not dauntless. Ah. <laughs> uh, Such an identity crisis. She says, I'm divergent and I can't be controlled. Even though her boyfriend is also divergent. And last chapter, he got controlled. (laughs) There's a a new serum on the block, kids. Don't be feeling safe just because you're divergent and your mind can't be controlled. And then because they were just standing out in the open having a big chat, her mum's like, oh my God, here they come. And some dauntless with guns come running after them. And so her mum's like, go to your father and brother. They're the alley on the right, down to the basement, knock twice, then three times, then six times. Oh, very complicated. And she says, I'm going to go distract them. You've got to run as fast as you can. Why? Why? You could both get out of there easily. But she says, be brave, Beatrice. I love you. And so she's doing the self-sacrifice thing because I guess she is abnegation at heart. And she starts firing her gun in the air and the Dauntless start running to her which she does before Triss even leaves. Before Triss even rounds the corner, she's like diverting attention to them. But also like the Dauntless at the other end of the alley, I, I don't think they saw you yet. If you're shooting in the air to, to get their attention, I don't think that means that they've seen you. You should have just shot them. Don't be wasting bullets in the air. So Triss is running around the corner and then she turns back and yet her mum got shot. Like, of course. Of course, but she's shocked. She's like, oh, who would have ever seen this coming? She falls to the pavement, slumped to the side like a rag doll, which is a bit of a brutal description. So Triss falls to the ground. She collapses and she's like, oh, maybe I should just lie down and be done with it. They can kill me. But then she's hearing Four's voice in her head telling her to be brave and her mother telling her to be brave. And then the dauntless soldiers can see her and, and start running to get her, obviously. And so she gets up and runs off and she says, I am brave. And that's the end of the chapter. So her mum's dead. Uh, okay, so chapter 36, three dauntless soldiers are pursuing her. And because they're sleepwalkers, they're running in unison. They start shooting after her, but she dives behind a brick wall. And she's thinking, they killed my mother. How dare they? So then she starts firing back, but she's not aiming. She's firing blindly. And she says, it wasn't really them, but it doesn't matter. (laughs) Okay. She's like, I know you guys are being brainwashed and you don't have self-control or free will, but you killed my mum, so I'm going to kill you. And I don't know if she's killed the other two, but there's one left. He's running towards her and she's like, that's not a man, that's a boy. And it's Will. She says, dull-eyed and mindless, but still Will. So she knows he's under the influence by calling him dull-eyed and mindless. So she's saying, yeah, I know you're one of the zombie army. And you know, you're like my good friend. Uh, You're dating my best friend, Christina. We've gone through initiation together. We've shared all of these beautiful moments. But she says, in an instant, I see his finger poised over the trigger and hear the bullet slide into the chamber and I fire. My eyes squeeze shut. The bullet hit him in the head. I know because that's where I aimed it. 
what? You could have hit him in the arm or the leg or the foot. You shot Eric in the foot. Why couldn't you have just shot Will in the foot? But she killed Will. She killed Will. She knew he was a zombie and she shot him anyway. And she aimed for the head. That sounds like it was premeditated to me. Like I know it's self-defense, blah, blah, blah. But you went for the head, Tris. Just after you shot Eric in the foot. And she doesn't even process what she's done. She just turns around and starts running. So she gets to the secret door. She does the two knocks, then the three knocks, then the six knocks. And then she's like wiping the tears from her face. She's like, oh, well, this is the first time I'm going to see my dad in weeks. I don't want to look like shit. So she's just like tidying her face up. It's like, okay, your mum just died. I think it's okay if you look like shit. Also, you just killed Will. And the door opens and there's Caleb. And she's stunned. The sight of him stuns her. And he hugs her, but he bumps her shoulder, which (laughs) has a bullet in it. So that hurt. And so they go inside. They're in some random room and she sees some familiar faces like her neighbors, classmates, her dad's co-workers and her dad's there and also Marcus. And she says, the sight of him makes me ache. Tobias, no, I will not do that. I will not think of him. Like you just watched your mum get shot (laughs) and you're worried about thinking about Tobias. You just killed Will. And Caleb's like, oh, how'd you find this place? Did mum find you? And she nods. She says, I don't want to think about mum either. And I'm like, okay, I know you're probably still processing it, but you should probably tell your brother that your mum just died. That's his mum too. I think it's a courtesy, especially because they're probably thinking it anyway, because you arrived on your own. Maybe just like fill them in. They have a right to know. You don't need to tell them that you killed Will. Like you can just keep that a secret between us, but you should at least tell them about your mum. So then they all start tending to her. Her dad's there. And then she says to Caleb, why are you here? And he says, I did what you said. I researched the simulation serum and found out that Janine was working to develop long range transmitters for the serum so its signal could stretch further, which led me to information about Erudite and Dauntless. (laughs) Anyway, I dropped out once I figured out what was happening. I'm factionless now. So he really just put two and two together quite quickly. Like how sloppy is Janine's security work? that everyone's finding out about her secret plan. Remember Force all the plans on a computer or something? And now old mate's just like what Googling simulation ceremony is just uncovered all of this. How does one research a simulation ceremony anyway? But he's figured it out. (laughs) It's just super easy for Caleb. And also when he said he's factionless, his dad was like, no, you're not, you're with us now. So forget all the rules. We've always said, if you fail initiation, you become factionless, but you know, not unless your dad's an abnegation leader, then I guess you can just become abnegation whenever you want. So they're cutting away Triss's shirt so they can do surgery or whatever on her shoulder. They've got to remove the bullet. And they see all the tattoos on her shoulder and her collarbone. And Caleb and her dad are just like staring in fascination and shock. It's like, okay, but your mum had a tattoo on her armpit. So your dad would have seen that presumably from time to time. I think he knows what a tattoo is. And then her dad's like, jabbing a knife into her shoulder to dig out the bullet, which is quite painful for the poor girl. Meanwhile, she still hasn't told them, hey, mum's dead. And then Caleb looks at them all and he starts laughing. And she says, what's so funny? And he says, I never thought I would see us all together again. You know, your mum's not there, right? And still she says nothing. So now he's stitching her up and she's in pain. Then they get a dress, they sit her down. 
And then her dad's like, okay, so where's your mum? Like, okay, come out with it. And she says, she's gone. She saved me. So she's really a wordsmith. And then her dad, he takes a breath and he says, that's good. A good death. Like, what? Remember, because they're abnegation, I guess they just pride selflessness. So they, they want to die. I think everyone in abnegation has a death wish. And that's why her mum was just like wasting bullets shooting in the air. And then she thinks Eric called Al's suicide brave and he was wrong. My mother's death was brave. Okay, why are we got to throw Al in it again? Keep Al out of it. Stop calling him a coward. She is such a bitch. She says, I remember how calm she was, how determined. It isn't just brave that she died for me. It's brave that she did it without announcing it, without hesitation, and without appearing to consider another option. Would we call that brave or would we call that stupid? Maybe she should have thought of a second option. Maybe she should have thought outside of the box and got away. Also, she did it without announcing. Do many people announce their deaths? Like, uh, I don't, uh, God. And then she's like, well, I better face the rest of the room. My mother told me to save them. And because of that, and because I am dauntless, it's my duty to lead now. I have no idea how to bear that burden. So she's just the leader now. She's the leader. The 16 year old girl, she's the leader. Also, she's like, because I'm dauntless. You just told me you're neither dauntless nor abnegation. You're a divergent. Okay. But then Marcus gets up because he's like, I'm the actual leader. And he says, we're only safe here for so long. We need to get out of the city. Our best option is to go to the Amity compound in the hope they'll take us in. Which of course they will because they're kind. And he says to Beatrice, do you know anything about the dauntless strategy? Will they stop fighting at night? So I don't know why Marcus thinks that the dauntless are afraid of the dark. They have no fears, they're dauntless. And she says, well, it's not dauntless strategy. Uh, They're actually being masterminded by the erudite. 90% of the dauntless are sleepwalking right now. They're in a simulation and they don't know what they're doing. So she's saying 10% are leaders or divergent. I don't know where she came up with 90%. I think maybe she just tried to think of a big number and she was like, 90%, that'll do. And then she says, the only reason I'm not just like them is that I'm, uh, the mind control doesn't affect me. For a second there, I was like, you're not really going to tell everyone you're divergent, right? Like, maybe keep some cards close to your chest. And then they're like, oh my God, mind control. So they don't know that they're killing people. And they're like, no. And then they all feel sorry for the dauntless. And so then Triss is like, oh, okay, well, we should go wake them up. She says, if we wake the dauntless up, they will probably revolt when they realize what's going on. The erudite won't have an army. The abnegation will stop dying. This will be all over. I'm thinking, poor Will, that you're only coming to that realization now. She's like, oh, they're, they're real people. Um, they're being mind controlled. They probably don't want to do this. You shot Will in the head. You could have aimed for his kneecaps. Also like pretty big assumption that you're like, oh, they'll probably revolt. They'll probably revolt. What if they don't, Triss? So Triss says, we need to wake them up by finding the computers that control the simulation and destroy the data, the program, everything. None of that's making sense to me. Like, I, I get it. But just like the fact that she just said data, she's like, oh, the data, the program, you know, I, I don't need to explain it. Veronica, that's very lazy. And Caleb says, easier said than done. It could be anywhere. We can't just appear at the erudite compound and start poking around. Even though that's exactly what Tris did to find Caleb. She just went to the erudite compound and found him from like one minute of poking around. So she probably could find it at the erudite compound, knowing how everything is located in that one building. 
of the erudite compound. But <laughs> she says, it's not there. And then she remembers that Janine was talking on the phone when they got brought to her office. And then she's like, and they sent Tobias to the control room. So that must be where the security monitors are and the Dauntless computers. And she's like, well, it's at Dauntless. It's, it's at Dauntless headquarters. It makes sense. That's where all the data is. So why not control them from there? So it's all really quite simple. I don't know why Janine was so confident in her second serum that she sent her enemy for to the control room where all the data is. She said, hey, let's get this guy to protect the data, even though I know he's divergent. And even though he's the first human trial of this new test serum, we don't need to monitor how long it's affecting him. Let's just put him in the room with all the power and all of our data and the program. So then her dad's like, all right, well, let's do it. We need to decide who helps you and who continues on to Amity. And she's like, oh, he's speaking to me like a peer. And she says, anyone who can and will fire a gun and isn't afraid of heights. And that's the end of the chapter. So she's asking for out of the abnegation people there, anyone who can and will fire a gun. That's no one, right? The only reason they're in abnegation is because they didn't pick the gun or the knife when the dog was in the aptitude test. They've probably never touched a gun in their lives because they have a whole faction devoted to handling the weapons and that's not them. Also, if they're that selfless, they're not going to shoot other people. They're just going to shoot themselves in the line of battle. You watch, she's going to take all these abnegation people into battle and they're all going to shoot themselves just to create a distraction when a distraction was not necessary. Don't take selfless people to war. I've always said. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So chapter 37, they are walking out of the abnegation sector and heading for Dauntless. She says, Caleb was the obvious choice to come with me since he knows the most about the erudite plan. The erudite plan. I think you know the most. Janine told you everything. 
And Marcus insisted that he go because he's good with computers. <laughs> okay, sure. And her father was like, I'm coming. No, no reason necessary. I'm coming. And everyone else was like, okay, deuces, go on to Amity. They're all like, I don't know how to fire a gun and I don't like heights, so I'm not coming. So they're waiting at the train tracks and they're waiting for the train. And Caleb says, oh, will the train stop? And she shakes her head and she says, no, it goes slowly through the city. Yep, the trains don't stop, Caleb. I thought you were the smart one. I thought you knew all of this. And yes, we've seen trains stop on multiple occasions, but okay, they they only just run through the city on on slow when they're going through a platform or something. And she's like, jumping on a train is so easy to me now. Natural. But I have to worry about them. It's like, okay, you have a wounded shoulder. Like, stop being so cocky. So they all jump on, they all manage to get onto the moving train. And then she's thinking about the Dauntless Compound and she's like, well, most of the guards will probably be at the entrance above the pit outside the glass building. So maybe I'll go in through the back entrance, which is where you jump off the building into the net, which she did on the day of the choosing ceremony, blah, blah, blah. And Marcus is like, I assume you now regret choosing Dauntless. Like, okay, not the time, nor the place, Marcus. Pick your battles. She picked Dauntless, get over it. Also, if she picked Abnegation, she'd probably be dead since Dauntless just came and killed all of the Abnegation. Also, Caleb picked Erudite. Maybe give him shit. And they drive past Erudite on the way while this is happening. And she says the compound there is dark now. Although I'm not sure why. She just said it was 3.12 p.m. Or maybe it's 3.12 a.m. I don't know. They just said it was 3.12. But maybe all the Erudite have gone home. Oh, wait, no. Erudite keep their lights on at night, remember? Because they've got so much hubris about them. So I don't know why the Erudite compound's dark. Maybe they're not there. I don't know where, I don't know. Weird thing to tell me because now I'm thinking, why is it, why is it dark there? So Marcus starts giving a shit being like, why did you pick Dauntless? And she says, there were things I needed to learn there. And her dad's like, how to be brave. And she says, how to be selfless. Often they're the same thing. Like, I know that's your thesis line for this whole fucking book, Veronica, but you don't need to keep hammering it over my head. We get it. And Caleb's like, oh, is that why you have abnegation on one shoulder and dauntless on the other shoulder? Ugh, and she smiles and nods. Okay. So then the glass building of the pit reflects sunlight into her eyes. So it's sunny. Good to know. And she says to them, when I tell you to jump, you jump because they have to jump onto the building. There's some tension around whether they'll all make it, but they do. Marcus even dangles off the edge of the building for a little bit, but they drag him up. And then she's thinking, uh oh, it's one thing to ask people to jump off a train but a roof. It's like, okay, you know, there's a net at the bottom. You know that you didn't know that before. Now you know that. I think jumping into a net would be a lot easier than jumping from a moving train onto a rooftop where there's a gap. That girl in chapter three certainly died. So I I don't know why she's like, this will be hard. But then she says, hey, look, there's a net down there. Just jump. Oh God. So she just jumps off. Well, she sort of falls off. She loses balance and she falls off. She lands into the net. So then Caleb jumps off. The others jump off. Her father vomits over the side once he lands. That's hilarious. And now they're in the dark cavern. That is the Dauntless Compound. She says, Janine made it sound like there was no one left in the Dauntless Compound except the soldiers she sent back to guard the computers. If we can find the soldiers, we can find the computers. (sighs) 
this logic. So she just thinks soldiers doing a perimeter check are guarding a computer? How big does she think the computers, does she think the computers are roaming around the place? Like the computers are just going to be in one room. And if you find the soldiers in that room, she'll be like, oh, there's the, there's the computer. What? And Marcus says, so this is the Dauntless compound. And she says, yes, and? And he's like, whoa, (laughs) no need to be so defensive, Beatrice. (laughs) And she says, I never noticed how cold his eyes were before. Except at the choosing ceremony, she gave a whole paragraph description of his eyes, but whatever. She's really building up Marcus to be like the villain for the next book. She's like, we might not deal with him in this book since we're coming to a close, but he might be the villain in the next one. And her dad's like, do you have a plan, Beatrice? And she says, yes. She doesn't tell him the plan, which is probably a good thing because her plan is find the soldiers, find the computers. So they start walking down the hallway to the pit and then they hear a gunshot and she's like, ah, stop, drop and roll. And then a voice is like, whoever's there, surrender your weapons and put your hands up. And then there's a few more gunshots in the silence and she's walking towards them in the darkness, thinking that she might be able to like tackle them or something. And then she's like, oh, I know that shadow. And she says, it's Peter. And his face is tense, so he's not a sleepwalker. So either he's divergent as well, because everybody's divergent, or he's like one of the dauntless leaders now. (laughs) Don't know how he graduated to leadership. Like I know they did literally graduate like last night, but I don't know how he got that job. Anyway, she runs up, she kicks him in the groin and overpowers him pretty much. And she says, how are you awake? And he says, the Dauntless leaders, they evaluated my records and removed me from the simulation. So I guess his records were just like super fancy. They said, we need this Peter kid on our team. Not four, not the guy with four fears. Uh, He can become a mindless zombie. Not Tori, not the best tattoo artist in all the lands, but let's get Peter. Let's get Peter who ranked third or fourth. Let's get him on the team. And she says, I bet it's because they figured out that you already have murderous tendencies and wouldn't mind killing a few hundred people while conscious. Makes sense. And he says, I'm not murderous. Remember, this is the man that stabbed that guy in the eyeball. (laughs) Remember that? We really forgot about that, didn't we? They dropped that plot point. I mean, yeah, he tried to throw Triss into a chasm or something or other. But after that, he stopped attacking whoever was coming first in the rankings because that was Triss. Poor guy who got stabbed in eyeball. I miss him. Anyway, so there's a standoff between her and Peter. And he's like, you won't shoot me. And she says, people tend to overestimate my character. They think that because I'm small or a girl or a stiff, I can't possibly be cruel, but they're wrong. And then she shoots him in the arm. She shoots him in the arm. Poor Will didn't get a bloody look in and got a bullet to the head. And she's shooting this guy in the arm. And he has his mental capacities. Poor bloody Will. She'll shoot everyone in a limb except for Will. Will, headshot. So she's like, tell me where the computers are or something like that. And he says, they're listening. If you don't kill me, they will. The only way I'll tell you is if you get me out of here and take me with you. And she's like, what? You want me to take you with me? (laughs) And he says, yep. So if they're really listening, why aren't they interrupting? Why aren't they coming after you? But no one's listening. But she's like, yep, makes sense. She says, every minute that I waste staring at Peter, thinking about how he haunts my nightmares, 
another dozen abnegation members die at the hands of the brain-dead Dauntless Army. So every minute, a dozen abnegation are dying. I think she's overestimating that. I don't know if they're really killing a dozen people for every minute. I don't think there's that many people. But she's like, fine, all right, let's go. So Peter joins the team. And she's like, where do we go, Peter? And he says, the glass building. Well, wow, who would have thought? Who would have thought they'd be going to the one building that Dauntless has? It's just fucking underground and then one glass building. So plot twist, their computers and the control room are in the glass building. Like, yeah, duh. You're not going to put all that technology underground. So they start walking up the path that leads to the glass ceiling which is exactly what she tried to avoid earlier. She did the whole jumping off a train onto a roof, jumping into the net, down into the pit, just to avoid going to the glass ceiling. But surprise, surprise, that's where they need to go. I bet she's regretting that now. And then her father's been super judgy and parental, being like, what makes you think you have the right to shoot someone? And she's like, oh, geez, now's not the time for debates about ethics, dad. And he says, yes, now's the perfect time because you will soon get the opportunity to shoot someone again. And if you don't realize blah, blah, blah. And she says, realize what? That every second I waste means another abnegation dead? Whoa. Okay. They're they're getting quicker at shooting abnegation because it was 12 per minute before. Now it's one per second. That's quite an increase. And her dad's like, there's a right way to do things. Like, oh God, she shot him in the arm. That's nicer than she treated her best friend, Will. And Caleb's like, guys, shut up. Let's keep going. So they're walking up to the glass ceiling. They're climbing, climbing, climbing. And then she hears her father huff and puff. And she says, I forgot that he is older than I am. That his frame can no longer tolerate the weight of his body. Okay, how old is he? Or how big is he? That his frame can't tolerate the weight of his body? What? And she forgot that he's older than... You forgot your dad was older than you? That that sentence blows me out. I don't know. He must be a big man if his frame can no longer tolerate the weight of his body. What a horrible sentence to describe your father. So they're about to breach the glass ceiling. She can see, because it's a glass ceiling, the floor is see-through. She can see that there's guards patrolling above them. And she can't help but get a little dig into her dad. She says, there are men with guns up there. When they see me, they will kill me. Should I let them? And he's just like, oh, for fuck's sake. Go and God help you. So yeah, God's the thing. Anyway, she gets up there. She starts shooting. They start shooting back. There's a guard running towards her and the bullet hits him in the arm. <laughs> so, so she's just shooting everyone in the arm except for poor bloody Will. And there's all these guards coming at her and she's doing this thing where she's lying on the ground with her arms stretched out and she's shooting this way and she's shooting that way and she's like pew, pew, pew. And then one guard's like staring at her and she's staring back. And then he does a little chin nod. And like, he's telling her like, go, go that way. And she's like, he must be divergent. So everyone's fucking divergent. There is just so many divergent people. I really was led to believe that she was special. And it's just not the case. So she gives a gun that she found to Caleb and she tells him to wait with Marcus and Peter because Peter will slow them down. So she decides to take her dad into battle. And she says, I hope Caleb doesn't understand what I'm doing keeping him down here so he stays safe, even though he would gladly give his life for this. If I go up into that building, I probably won't come back down. So she pretty much says it's a suicide mission. And she's like, okay, dad, come on. So she's more than happy for her dad to die. 
more than happy. And see, this is why you don't bring selfless people into battle because she's like, oh, Caleb would love to die. He'd love to self-sacrifice. So her and her dad go into the elevator. They go up to level eight and the doors open. And yeah, there's two guards there, obviously. There's a control room, there's cameras. So she drops to the floor almost immediately, but her dad doesn't have those reflexes. And I thought he was about to cop it, but no, her dad shoots the guards. I don't know what slow guards they have, but this abnegation guy, who's probably never shot a gun before in his life. He's like, pew, pew, straight away. And the guards are like, whoa, didn't say that coming. Even though they were ambushing them. They were waiting for the elevator door to open. Oh God, worst guards ever. Maybe you shouldn't make guards be sleepwalking zombies. Maybe they do need their reflexes, who knew? And after he was just given Triss all this shit for using a gun and killing people, he's just like, pew, 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 pew. I don't know why I keep doing that pew, pew sound, but (laughs) it's helping me get through the book. So just, you know, let me be. But then her dad runs out of the elevator and sprints down the right hallway, drawing the dauntless guards after him. So yeah, another self-sacrifice plan. He's just going to draw all the guard attention to him. I don't know why. I don't know why they can't see Triss on the floor. Maybe they think she's dead. I don't know. But they're just like, oh, we'll just ignore Triss. We'll ignore the divergent one that we've probably been warned about. We'll just go after this frail old man whose frame can no longer tolerate the weight of his body. We'll just chase after him. So her dad's running and also shooting a gun over his shoulder. Just pew, 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 pew. And then, yeah, he gets shot. Big surprise, he gets shot. So she's seen a second parent get shot and hit the ground. But while he's fallen and hitting the ground because he's just been shot, he's still shooting. He's got the best aim ever and he didn't even train with Dauntless. I don't know how he's overpowering all of these guards, but he's just Calamity Jane and just making every shot that he's trying. So now all the guards are dead (laughs) and she can have a moment with a dying dad and he's about to say something to her while their eyes meet, but then he's like, he dies, he dies. And she wants to rest her head on the ground and let that be the end of it. She wants to sleep now and never wake. But, you know, she can't do that because for every second that she wastes, another abnegation member dies, remember? So she really must get going. And she says, there's only one thing left for me to do and that's to destroy the simulation. So she starts going down the hallway and she finds the control room. Oh, she finds it. And she steps in and the room's full of screens. Like, okay, yeah, obviously. And on each of the screens, there's like footage of the hub, the fence, different parts of the city, the abnegation sector. She can see where Caleb, Marcus and Peter are waiting downstairs. And one of the screens has a line of code on it instead of an image. And she says, it's the simulation, the code already compiled, a complicated list of commands that anticipate and address a thousand different outcomes. Is it normal for a computer code to just be floating around on a screen? just on a screen, just doing its own thing, just being a code, just being a simulation code. I'm not buying all this techno babble. Oh, and in front of the screen is a chair and a desk and sitting in the chair is a dauntless soldier. And she says, Tobias. And that's the end of the chapter. And like, oh, are we meant to be shocked? (laughs) Like, why was she building it up? Like, and in that room, there was a chair. And in that chair, there was a person. And next to that person was a desk. And on that desk was a pen. And holding that pen was Tobias. Like, we know. Janine sent him there yesterday. Where else would he be? So that's the end of the chapter. I'll leave it there. There's only two chapters left. Oh my God, two chapters left. So next week we'll do the end of the book. And then the week after, 
We'll look at the Divergent film adaptation, which I cannot wait for. And then after that, we will be covering Eclipse. We're going back into Stephanie Meyer land because I've committed to getting through that saga, quote unquote, and I'm looking forward to it. It's a big one though, but I do want to stay in the land of Divergent and Allegiant and Insurgent and all the urgents. And I think I will be covering the sequel to Divergent over on the Patreon feed once Fifty Shades Darker finishes, which is, I don't know, maybe a month or two away. That book's a long one. We whipped through this one pretty quick, but Fifty Shades Darker, she likes to repeat things. So we're just reading the same chapter over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. But if you're liking the Divergent content, you can go to patreon.com slash breaking down bad books and you can read the sequel with me over there when we get to it. But until then, I'll leave you with this cliffhanger. The reunion of Triss and Four, what's going to happen? I'll see you next week. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.